You unlock this benefit with the key of Patreon. Beyond is another dimension. A dimension of thought. A dimension of speculation. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both waffle and substance. Of things and ideas. You've just crossed into the podcast zone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Trekking Through the Twilight Zone. This is me and Julian working our way through every single episode of the Twilight Zone and giving our thoughts. And we are there with After Hours, or as I like to call it, a 60s Karen. Uh, we're going to talk about this episode, and uh, the, it's also a prequel to Mannequin, I, I believe. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, Julian, what are your thoughts on this episode? I love this episode. I mean, you know, I don't think it's a great episode, but this is a standout for me as as one of the the better sort of top gets into the sort of top ten percent. Um, and and the plot is just a, a woman who is answering an ad at a department store, goes up to a a mystery. Uh, is it the eighth floor, ninth floor, ninth floor? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you know, which is off the you know be off the roof past the roof in the elevator. Um, you know, it's very strange. And, you know, there are things I don't understand. She Then we find out ultimately that she's a mannequin and that's where the mannequins are really alive. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I, I don't understand why when she goes to mannequin space, they don't just tell her, you know, stay here. You're back. You're late coming back. Uh, but nonetheless, I do... I think mannequins are are creepy mannequins are fascinating mm. it, you know it is a fun episode for me what about you yeah no i love this because th- this episode is is weird and actually has some really good scares like it leans into some of the creepiness as well again it could fully acknowledges how creepy mannequins are um and I kind of like, yeah, like you said, there's a couple of places where a line, a line of dialogue could re- could elevate this up a little bit more. Um, but I like the fact as well that she's she she's a sort of a you know uh, get me your supervisor kind of Karen. Like, um, I I think it's a plot. Well, the thing is, it's a plan, isn't it? Like, it seems to be that they can't tell her she has to remember to be able to sort of. Be- she has to remember so she can slot back into becoming a mannequin. And so she's shown like a really good gold uh, thimble, which mm. she says she has a mother, which is odd because it's obviously she doesn't. Um, but then when she leaves, it's scratched. And so it sort of forms this thing of like trying to trap her in the uh, building. So sort of like just try and keep giving hints. Um and the the best sort of the first sort of like little moment is when she does because the mannequins in this, some of the mannequins in this are brilliant. Now I'm not sure if they are mannequins or people in really heavy makeup at times. Um, but the first one she sees is an exact replica of the woman that that sold her the the thimble, and she's wearing the dress, and they turn it around, they carry it off, and that's a great moment because even as a viewer, you're like, what the hell is this? And she reacts like very well. So, yeah, no, I was digging this episode from the start. Like, I thought it was really good. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you, there were uh, mannequins. Some of those are real mannequins. Mm. Um, and but also, some of them are clearly people with fantastic. I know it's black and white, but with fantastic makeup, it yeah. really makes them look sort of glossy and wooden. And 
it's very, very well done. Um, mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a photo of uh, the lead actress with her mannequin double and in black and white, low resolution. You can't tell who's the mannequin. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, really well done. And, you know, the lead in here is Anne Francis from Forbidden Planet. Oh, yes. Re- yes. She plays the, the love interest, yeah. Altair or what, whatever the, her name is. Yeah. Yeah, we should we should have done that. By the way, one of the things we'll we'll have to rectify, I think, with season two is um, oh, that's so and so from so and so because every episode <laughs> seems to have somebody from something else I recognise. Um, yes, no, like she and she's really good in this. Like this whole sort of like escalation of like she's vile to the staff. <laughs> like, and this guy's like, we we don't like, constantly the manager and this sort of supervisor's like, we don't have a ninth floor. Well, I've just been there and I've been bought in this and they're like. I get what you're saying, but we don't. The building doesn't have a ninth floor. <laughs> like, um, I, I like how this plays out. Like, you know, this whole it's almost like Toy Story. You know, there's, there's another world. There's another sort of thing. And yeah. um, that's a good good callback. Yeah, and well, again, like some of my favorite moments come towards the end. Like she she gets, and um, I'll give a glimpse of a story at some point in this. But like she gets locked into the the department store. And when she's sort of lost and around, and there's a bit where it's just panning around all those mannequins and stuff. And it is creepy as hell when they're doing it. And then they start to come to life. Um, and it's this sort of congregation. And you 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 get the reveal um, of they take it in turns to go out into the world for a month. Um, and that leads to questions that I have, you know, like, where do they live? How do they, do they you know, what do they do? Blah 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 blah. Um, but I love this idea that there's actually this whole sort of like subculture of mannequins going out amongst us and, and living. I think two of the mannequins in this are ace, and um, they're the ski mannequins because they are terrifying. <laughs> yeah, you mean because they have the ski masks on? They have the ski that masks are, that are they, weirdly decorated ski masks. Yeah, and they don't bother to take them off. And they're just uh-huh. there's a whole thing where it pans around and they're all staring at her. And you just get these two masked people staring at her, and it's 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 it sort of tops off the creepiness of that scene. But yeah, it is cool. Yeah, I kind of found the the ski mask ones kind of threw me. I I didn't find them terrifying. I thought, who the hell is buying ski masks with these like lame designs on yeah. them? Like these are not <laughs> sophisticated. Was this like? an era in which the ski mask itself was so novel that, you know, uh, you could have some crummy sort of homemade thing. And, but it might be there to, to hide the fact that those mannequins were not made to the same tech standards as the mm. others for filming. Cause you kind of see more like the neck, you know, <laughs> yes. cut line on those. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, but I, the other thing, I like the fact that, like, you know, that you say about why don't they just tell her, um you find that the woman that sold her the gold thimble on the ninth floor is actually she was about to replace her mm-hmm. so she's the one that's going to confront her so she clearly sort of to, to, in my head canon as it were like she has set her up to go oh well i'll bring her in i'm going to confront her and she'll be like oh yes yeah, sorry one more sort of places like it's supposed to be almost like a switch over um and it, you know, it almost feels like it throws the the woman who's the mannequin is sort of like, oh, this this didn't go <laughs> as as planned, because um, they then sort of like 
terrorise is the wrong word, but they try to sort of keep doing things. Like at one point, she goes up to the lift, and the door. And this was incredibly Doctor Who. We've just we've been talking off air about Doctor Who, but this was like a real Doctor Who moment. The lift opens, and the, the mannequin is like leering in to the <laughs> um to the lift, and she's the the the, the blonde woman, the main character, cut like falls back, and then you have the woman in the dress sort of like walk into the lift. It, it's done. It's edited mm. well, you know. You don't see them change, but like it's cut well to sort of have those things. Mm-hmm. And so this this had a really sort of like creepy atmosphere. Um, and I like the way it leaves. Like she leaves to go off into the world, and you watch the protagonist turn into a mannequin at the end of the episode, and and be seen as a mannequin. Yeah, um, you know, and and uh, Anne Francis sort of like you know she puts her arms at her side in this really kind of awkward. Mm. You know, but realistic sort of mannequin pose, um, you know, sort of like L shape of her arms. And then you see her mannequin in the store looking very realistic in the same pose. Um, and that, that's sort of the the final shot, the final reveal. Yeah, I mean, I like imagining what their their life is is like, the secret mannequin life and the, the creepiness of, of mannequins. Um, I, I, I do wonder about like, like, I mean, Anne Francis... So much of why I like her in this role is because she's so beautiful. And there are mm. a lot of close-ups of her that have that sort of like Audrey Hepburn, Grace Kelly sort of, you know, just sheer beauty to mm. them. You know, that, that's not an earthy beauty, but is, you know, that sort of, um, you know, um, very classic look. And uh, so know. there's almost like a nip-tuck kind of layer to this. Of yes. Like, no, I agree, and I, I think it's twofold. Because I think she—it's almost like you choose someone with that kind of look, that that very distinctive beauty, because it makes the reveal at the end that much more punchy. You know, so like you said, it's sort of like she's recognisable because you could not question that the thing you see at the end is her. Like it's not like, oh, it's va- it's a vaguely blonde woman. You know, it's oh no, it's clearly her as a mannequin at the end. Like she's very mm. distinctive looking. But it also has this notion of false beauty because all the mannequins, when they become human, apart from the scary mask ones, are very attractive. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the males are all very sort of chiselled and um, you know good looking, and the women are all very beautiful. And there is this idea of sort of fake beauty in that as well, which is really interesting. Yeah, and I I, I don't know. I mean, today, of course, if you if you redid this, it would be, you know, you'd have to address that element of sort of, you know, the expectation of of, you know, in this case, women to sort of look like a mannequin or, you know, is that what you really want is sort of this lifeless. I mean, it's a sort of like Android female companion sort of thing <laughs> uh, of, of the Stepford wife. Um, I mean, and, and that's there. But it's mm. not a primary theme. It's it's a sort of underbelly, undercurrent. Yes. Yeah. The things I do have to ask, though. She comes to this department store to get the, the, the gold thimble. Is the point. She says for her mother. Mm-hmm. And so while yeah. she's she's been out in the world for a month and she seems to have forgotten her origins, that I'm, I'm going to I'm going to go with. I'm like, fine. There's some sort of repression there or whatever. And she wants to go off. Where did she get the money from? 
<laughs> Where is yeah. she living? <laughs> well, who does she think is her mother? And how yeah. does how was she drawn mystically back to this department, particular department store? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I do like the idea that they sort of forget. Like she yeah. has this line where it's like, oh, it's so easy to forget, you know, a month living as a human. It's like, oh, yeah, I used to, I used to live as a mannequin, you know. Oh, yeah, I, I do kind of like that idea, though. But you're quite right. I mean, it, it, it doesn't really make sense, you know. She'd be, they'd no. be homeless or something. Or, no, no, I, I, I wouldn't think so. Because this is a regular thing, mm-hmm. right? So I, I created a headcanon for this as well. Because <laughs> I do, this is how my head works. They've got this set up, okay, and they're in this department store overnight. So I, I can imagine that they're sort of slow. Over years, they've built this thing up. Like, for you know, that month of being human, they haven't really been able to leave much. They've had to come back every day or whatever to this department store, and they've been skimping off the top, okay? So they've been skimping up, scraping off the top. So they've been hoarding money from in the store where they can, okay? And, and they have now been able to somehow set some sort of operation up outside um that's allowed them to have a small apartment somewhere in the city or because i don't think these are the only ones there's actually a mannequin underground yeah you're turning this into like some vast uh conspiracy like there are people who multiple people have been fired for stealing from their workplace when it's really the mannequins um yes yeah no i mean i i I like this um (laughs) you know i was thinking like there's there's a room what they don't show you is clearly there's like a closet where they have turned uh, actual customers into mannequins in order to replace them <laughs> for a month at a time. Um, yeah, something's going on here, right? That's much more sinister than what we're seeing. Oh yeah, yeah. The, 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 you could go down many routes. Like there's a whole wax works, <laughs> you know, sort of like House of Wax kind of version of this where they are. They're dipping um, humans into some sort of plastic to turn them into replacement mannequins and all this other stuff you know it's yeah i I honestly think there's a network of mannequins out there and when you go out for your month you have an allocated apartment and stuff and and you get like a uh a certain amount of money uh you know like a a spending limit and stuff um yeah i don't know (laughs) this this episode I enjoyed and it intrigued me enough that I was like, oh, I want to know more about this one. Like, I want to know how this works. Like, this was, yeah. there's a story here that I want to know more about. Well, what's interesting, this is a final thought, is like how that is, this is really still a, a one reveal episode, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, there's one shift, there's one uh, upturning of the plot. And up until then, it's just got a better mystery than some of these other episodes like yes. that you found flat. Um, and, and me too. I mean, for me, that twist is interesting. It's resonant. It works. It still doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is still a one reveal episode that doesn't make any sense, but it's resonant. It's just working in a way that those others aren't. I think, I think it's the quality of the mystery and the way it's presented. Like it's, it's, it's well, there are many of these are just shot really well. I think I've always been, I'm always impressed with how well these are made mm-hmm. and how well they are shot. Like, you know, no doubt. This one just had it, it lent into the creepiness and it, it the mystery just felt a bit more 
um, tangible, like I could gain something from it, rather than say the one about the trumpeter, which was just sort of let's say it was quite flat. Um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed After Hours. After Hours is, is even the more I think about it, it quickly starts to, to jump up my uh, ranking of episodes. Um, but any final true. thoughts? Any final no, thoughts? No, no, I'm good. I, I I did feel the same way. Cool. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed our trekking through the Twilight Zone, and uh, we're almost done with season two. Sorry, season one. So I hope you keep sticking with us. But ladies and gentlemen, we'll talk to you on the next episode. Okay, so this is an addendum to the episode you've just listened to, um, because we found out, or at least I should say that Julian found out, that the episode, uh, The After Hours, was remade in uh, the 90s, Julian, is it? It was uh, 86 in the second Twilight Zone series. Okay, yes, it was remade, and they apply it to the Galleria in Los Angeles, um, which to me, I only know from Terminator 2, (laughs) so... (laughs) (laughs) um these mannequins actually became the terminators so it makes me laugh because in the terminator 2 there is the thing where obviously the t-1000 looks at that metallic mannequin and i did think about that when i heard it was in the galleria um but this episode uh obviously made in the in the 80s um first and foremost uh from my point goes for a very different tone yeah, um, and, and that term, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's going from. Sorry, go. On. No, it's got body <laughs> horror. Mm. Eventually, mm-hmm. um, but it's sort of it, where sort of like the original version plays for like you know uh, paranoia and sort of like um, as we sort of said like Hitchcockian sort of like you know um, intense uh, fear and sort of like you know worry to an extent like you know not that level but still that's what it's playing for this is just playing for i don't know like it you know it, it's a chase episode it basically sort of like but they introduced the concept of the mannequins like within the first half of this this section it's like there's no hiding it like there's a guy turn up and he's like i've got mannequin hands and then, like, beyond that, it just becomes obvious. Like, it's not subtle in the slightest. Yeah, I mean, if the other one asks, you know, what is reality and how do I deal with the existential, you know, feeling of otherness, this one asks, what does a mother feel trying to get, or a person, a woman feel trying to get a Cabbage Patch Kids doll before yeah. uh, a birthday? Yeah, it, uh... Yeah, I, I I hated this. <laughs> Absolutely hated it. Not not, not more. You're welcome. You know. Yeah. Well, the weird thing is, like you say, we looked at that. You know, the the, um, the was it the monsters are on. The monsters uh, are due on Maple Street, right? In yeah. The remake. And, and we said that we said both versions of that were really good. Like mm-hmm. there was that modernization. They they gave it this, the modern slant to look at things like you know post nine eleven. Had that idea and it went with it. It was great. This in a post sort of like you know, especially in the 80s, that commercialism and this idea of sort of like you know, uh commercial capitalism, especially around kids' toys and stuff, like this should have been prime for something like this. Yeah, no, they're going for something closer to like chopping mall. Like this is supposed to be more akin to um 
like a horror that you know this thing of like they basically just repeat her name like the one word used in this mm. repeatedly is Marsha, and all I could think about is the Brady bunch would be Marsha, yes. Marsha, Marsha. And, I thought of that too, sadly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. It just did not work for me at all. It felt too. It even explains it. Like the the main, <laughs> like literally says like there is dialogue in this episode where he says we're all mannequins, you're a mannequin, and then you're like, all oh, right, well, thanks for that. There's the Twilight twist for you. Yeah, that was a particularly weak moment. I mean, I do, I, I do think that it's a good idea to update it. We both like updates, and it worked. Yeah, yeah, Monsters yeah. are doing Maple Street. But here, like, you know, the earlier one occurs in a generation of New York department stores where, mm. you know, like the Woolworth building is a skyscraper, you know. And so you can go up to the strange floor. Right. All of that's gone. And this is updated for sort of the 80s shopping mall. OK, fair enough. That's good. Except the only importance of that is you get rid of that creepy floor with the you know so so a lot of the drama is then gone and what is it replaced with it's replaced with a woman running around a shopping mall after it's closed which if you know anything about shopping malls they don't do that nobody (laughs) is gonna open up the gates and a guy kind of following her i like the hands i like the body horror kind of stuff i like the hands but yeah i mean there's not an awful lot in this episode no, there were two. You said that's a decidedly weak moment when he basically tells you the twist. Um, the other one, which literally had me laughing out loud, is she runs back behind the scenes, um, you know, sort of like that the corridors that, like, you know, go between the shops, and there's a box full of heads, mm, mm-hmm. and they're all and like there's there are some manic, there's some real mannequin heads in there, like you know, and then there's two or three poor actors that they've buried and have their heads sticking out and they're going, Marsha, Marsha. And I couldn't help but, like, giggle. <laughs> it's so awful. Um, yes, it, it yeah. just made me laugh. No, I mean, that's the kind of thing where I think, like, I can see what they were going for. I mean, kind of. I, the mm. whole, like, all the mannequins saying her name, you know, it's the kind of thing where, like, in a script meeting or, you know, a, a writer's idea, that might sound good, right? Like, you know, you're hearing your name and they all know your mm. name and, and, okay, fine. But you're right. I mean, the, it, the curiously, the special effects are better in the original Twilight Zone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, oh, that's, that's clearly a mannequin standing there. I don't believe it is speaking. Um, mm. Yeah. I don't, yeah, it just it just didn't matter. The, the first one had a point. It had a real sort of like it. Cre- it was creepy. It had that sort of like you know manic paranoia. Like I liked the fact that there was that sort of thing if you didn't know. But the the point is like at no point in the original did the mannequins basically gang up on the poor woman <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to pick on her. Like they're trying to get her to remember, but they are struggling for the simple fact is they can't interact with her in front of people. So. You know, and then she sees the woman that she's interacted with as a mannequin. And so it's not until the end when she's like, oh, gosh, it's all come back to me. Yes, this is the realisation or the dawning of information. Like, it makes sense. And then you see her the next day as a mannequin, and it was very good. With this one, hmm. all the mannequins are a bunch of dicks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they literally just chasing her down, tormenting her. And I'm like, hang on, could this not have been solved with one conversation? 
Yeah, and I mean, it goes for that sort of like Terminator or Westworld thing of like being Mm. pursued by the mannequins. And it even goes so far as to have her knock a mannequin over and destroy its face, which you see all those heads. I guess the heads are separately animate. I mean, I'm not sure how this works. And that's a problem in the original, but you don't think about it, right? Yeah. Um, It's not it, it. This underlines the problem. And even has her destroy one of her fellow co-workers. And that's never referenced again. So nope. it's sort of like her war with the mannequins and they get her and turn her back into, you know, as opposed to like a community of mannequins who are one by one going out into the world. That's much more creepy and it helps you identify <laughs> with that other. Here, mm. the other is just a, you know, Westworld sort of unthinking monster. <laughs> Well, it, it flips the message because in the first one, as you say, they're a community. Like they literally support each other. They're like, "Yes, we go out for a month, we experience the world, and we come back, and we, you know, we are we are a group." And when she does transform back at the end of the episode, it's a it's a it is a returning, and they are a community. And it's that sort of thing of like, if you want to take it as the other, oh, the other, they are just like us. In this, it's like they are the other, and they are fucking terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. No, that's an excellent point. And also, I mean, I think I like the body horror idea. Mm-hmm. I don't think the effects are good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this comes out as she's turning back into a mannequin. Except, you know, like, that never happens in the in the first one. In the first one, it's sort of implied it's by mm-hmm. volition, you know. Yes. Um, here, it's like, do, do, you know, is this just magic that wears off? Is there some kind of like death ray that turns you back into a mannequin? I mean, and and she's running away from them. So again, yeah, it's... yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, this one just didn't work um, yeah. for me. Um, it you know it, it's a twenty something. I don't know. It's like a thirty minute episode. This takes up about twenty minutes. It's an extended section of it. It felt rushed. It didn't sort of have a message. It didn't even have like a Twilight twist. It just feels like um, uh, they've gone, right, this is a good idea. We should update this. And then not really put a great deal of thought into it. I, I thought it's a real shame because the first ep- the first version, the original is very good. I, I um, you know, do still think about it. Yeah, and just to wrap up, I mean, I, I think it does, if nothing else, it shows how these up uh, an avenue for these updates not to take mm. i mean it, it does feel like it needs another pass at the script um but if nothing else it shows how good the original episode is and how mm. and how <laughs> that sh- the original show's sensibilities not always but usually are with the other and are usually with a sense of creepiness and not knowing uh, as opposed to, it does seem very 80s though, doesn't it? Like, you it know, yeah, yeah. The, the monster's after you, you know, yeah. it's Reagan. We can't talk about all those yeah. deep things. I, I almost want to see like a, re, like a new remake of this that now addresses the sort of the death of the, the you know, the physical store. Mm. Like, what happens to these mannequins if they're sort of there's nowhere for them to go? Yeah, that's, um, that's uh, the unproduced screenplay for Mannequin 3. Uh, you know the Amazon years. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Kim Cattrall just in the back of a warehouse somewhere, where she belongs. No, I'm with that. But <laughs> ooh, sick bird. Yeah, that's it. When she hears this, oof, 
we're gonna have a um... <laughs> you're in trouble now yeah <laughs> anyway we shall move on from this uh so yes this was just an addendum for this for this episode so ladies and gentlemen uh thank you very much and uh, you shall join us on the next episode Thank you.